I really do. It's so wonderful to see the faces uh, just joined in fellowship, joined in uh, anticipation of what God's going to do, uh, just the love of Jesus Christ. It's, it's a great thing. just want to echo what Kelly said during the call to worship. On Saturday, we are having a prayer vigil. It's going to be a, an abbreviated prayer vigil this year. Instead of starting Friday night, we're going to start Saturday morning. Uh, but it's still very, very much a blessing. And if you would, consider going back into the entryway on your way out of church today. Look at the sign-up sheet. They are in 30-minute blocks. And if someone has signed up in the time frame that you can, can do it, then go ahead and sign up for that. And we'll have a double prayer going on during those 30 minutes. But please, consider signing up. Also, very, very important, the prayer requests in uh, the pew in front of you, whatever your prayer request is, no matter how seemingly small or no matter how seemingly impossible, if you have a need in your life, a relational need, a financial need, a spiritual need, something's going on in your family, a loved one that you are concerned about, put this down here and we will pray and intercede on your behalf, not only during the prayer vigil, uh, but we have a group that after every service on Sundays for an hour prays and intercedes on a variety of topics, not the least of which are the cards which you have completed. So please, if you have any prayer needs at all, and I know that every person here this morning has a prayer need, there's something in your life that you require help from the throne of grace for. So please, fill that out. Also, I want to call your attention to back on the coffee bar, we are beginning to do a monthly church calendar for the different activities that are going on at the church, and there are several. So, this is for your refrigerator. This is for those of you who are, like me, um, technologically challenged, and you're not on Facebook learning everything that's happening. You look at your refrigerator. This is what this is for. It's a calendar of all the things going on. So, please feel free to take one of those, pick it up, and uh, bring it home with you. We have been studying the Gospel of John. And we are in chapter 21 today. I just want to say that I so appreciated Jeff's message last week. Uh, particularly the one point that Jeff made. That if there was one sin, one single sin that Jesus' blood did not address, then He would not have risen from the dead. But He did raise from the dead. All sin has been dealt with, covered by His blood. He has total authority through the resurrection over sin, over death, and over hell. But the book of John, in, in chapter 20, there is a, really a purpose statement for John's Gospel. I brought this to your attention when we began the study of John's Gospel, and I want to conclude with it as well because it's very important as we study the Gospel of John. Ultimately, really, as we live our lives as Christians, this is very important. It says that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of His disciples which are not recorded in this book. Now, John recorded seven specific signs that Jesus performed. Miraculous events that Jesus did that were intended to, by their very nature, communicate 
to those who were observing, and subsequently to us who are privileged to know about it through the writings of John, that Jesus is the Messiah. This is what he says in verse 31 of chapter 20. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. This is why we gather every Sunday morning, church. This is why so many of you get together throughout the week in abundant life groups. This is why you are serving a God that you cannot see. Because you believe. And through that belief, the Creator of the universe has come and indwelt you by His Holy Spirit. You are a new creature in Christ if you believe. That is what the promise of the Gospel is. This is not religious facade. Certainly there are religions out there that will tell you what you should do, what observances you should keep, how you should maintain a religious life. But that's not what this book is about. This book is about new life in Christ. That by understanding what Jesus did, the mission that He had in coming to this world, that you can have new life in Him. And that you can share that new life in Him. It's a wonderful, wonderful promise that we have from our God and Creator that He has given us a Savior. His very own Son. Sometimes, though, even though we believe, even though we are moving on in our Christian walk, there are times where we struggle. Aren't there? There are times where you believe, you absolutely do trust in Jesus, you are saved, you are a new creature in Christ, but you struggle. You get back in the flesh. We're still living in these bodies of flesh. And as a result, are prone to deception and corruption. And sometimes we struggle. I had been going through a very difficult time here for the past couple of months, ministerially speaking. I was struggling in the Spirit. I was having a difficult time hearing God. God did speak to me and told me that, and this was what I shared with you when we talked about Gethsemane, that I was to submit my life to Him in totality, not just in part, but that I... He was requiring me to fully and absolutely submit my life to Him. And so I began to do that. I began to pray, not sitting at my chair, but lying prostrate on the floor. And God began to move in my life. A couple of weeks ago, I went to a pastor's conference down in Tucson with Chris. And it was powerful. It was powerful. The theme of the conference was based on the book of Ephesians, and specifically Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, which says this, And God placed all things... I want you to repeat that with me. All things. Okay. And God placed all things. Does that leave anything out? No. 
God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be the head over everything for the church. I read this verse. God's Spirit spoke to me as I was reading it that God has placed all things under Him and placed Him as the head over everything for the church. And suddenly, all of the things I was concerned about, all of the challenges that I was having, the worries and anxieties that were beginning to pester me were simply removed. I realized that Jesus is in control. Jesus truly is greater than anything that concerns me. Any challenge that faces me. With regards to the church, He is everything, which is His body, the fullness of Him, who fills everything in every way. Do you think the Apostle Paul wanted us to understand that we are not to worry, that we are not to be concerned about the things that the enemy will bring into our lives? Those challenges that sometimes our flesh embraces and we begin to think, oh my gosh, what, what's God going to do? How is He going to deal with this? He's placed everything under Jesus' feet. That's how He's going to deal with it. He's addressed it already. Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead on the third day. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the throne of glory. Everything is going to be okay. God is in charge. This is what he's saying to me when I'm at the pastor's conference. Interestingly, as I was at the pastor's conference, just a terrible cold allergy, something hit me. And Chris can testify to the fact that I'm sitting in the pews there during worship time, during the teaching time, blowing my nose almost constantly. I felt so bad for all the people around me, but what am I going to do? But I, I believe that God wanted me in a position of weakness as I was getting this message. As He was speaking to me and communicating to me that He had all things in His hands. That even in my weakness, even as I was blowing my nose, feeling poorly, He was speaking to me that He was in charge. Now, this is what happened to me. But I want to say to you here this morning, some of you are going through some difficult stuff, just like I was. You're being challenged. Your flesh is weak. Your spirit may be willing. You need to hear, as I did, that God has placed all things under His feet and that He is the head over everything. Jesus said, when he was talking to his disciples there in Matthew chapter 28, that all authority is given unto me, both in heaven and on earth. And I want you, therefore, to go into all the world and be disciples and make disciples of all men, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God wants us to understand and to know that there is no situation, no circumstance, no person, no deception that can ever separate you from the love of God in Christ. 
And He has a plan for you. He has a plan for us. This is another thing that He was speaking to me when I was down in Tucson. Actually, He began to communicate this to me uh, sometime before that. It's based out of Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. Jesus said that you don't put new wine into old wineskins. If you do put the new wine into old wineskins, because the old wineskins are hard, the new wine, when it begins to ferment, will expand and cause the old wineskin to burst and all of the new wine to be lost. He said, no, you put new wine into new wineskins. And God had been speaking that verse to me for some time. But when I was down in Tucson, God was telling me, I believe, I didn't hear this audibly, but speaking to me in my spirit as I'm looking at the Word, as I'm listening to the teachers speak, that He wants to pour new wine into us. This congregation. He wants to pour new wine into us individually as well as corporately. But in order for Him to do that, we have to be prepared. We have to become new wineskins. We have to allow God's Holy Spirit to recreate us. Refashion us. Move us away from some of the old ways of thinking. Now, I'm not talking about this necessarily as a church. I'm talking about this specifically as individuals. As individuals, He wants to transform us by the renewing of our mind so that He can pour new wine into us. And that individually, then, as we are transformed and changed, we can corporately move at the impulse of His love. This is what God was speaking to me. And I believe it's a message for us as a congregation. Like I said, individually and corporately. He wants to do something in this church that is tremendous. I don't know what that is. But I know that His Spirit is at work in this church. In your lives. And He wants to, through this church, I believe, impact this community for Jesus Christ. He wants to take your life and make it significant. Make it have eternal consequences. So, I came out of that pastor's conference rejuvenated with a sense of mission, with a sense that God is at work. But we have a choice, church. We can harden our hearts and say, I've always done it this way. I've always known it this way. I'm not able to become a new wineskin. Or we can say, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want to do with me, Lord. 
fashion me into the image of Jesus Christ. And amazing things will happen. In chapter 21 of the Gospel of John, beginning in verse 15, we read, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, remember up in the upper room what had happened. Jesus was telling his disciples that they were all going to be dispersed because of Judas's betrayal, because the Son of Man would be betrayed into the hands of sinners. And Peter stood up and he said, Lord, even though all of these fall aside, I will not fall aside. And Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, before the cock crows twice tonight, you will have denied me three times. So now Jesus is restoring Peter into ministry. And he asked the question, do you love me? Peter more than these. And I believe the more than these that Jesus is referring to is the other disciples who are standing in his presence. Because that is who Peter asserted he was going to be greater than. That his love, his devotion to Jesus was more strong than. And so Jesus asked the question, do you love me? The word is agapeo, with that God kind of unconditional love more than these. And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, Peter uses the word phileo. He does not respond with the same word for love that Jesus uses. Phileo is a brotherly love, an affinity-based love. And so Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. You know that you're like a brother to me. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. In other words, feed the little ones, the babes. Bring them into of faith. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Again, agapeo. And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, phileo. So Peter once again asserts his love at a lower, a lesser level than what Jesus is asking him about. And so if Jesus said to him, take care then or tend my sheep, The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This time Jesus uses the term phileo. Do you love me? Phileo, Peter. And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now this is so significant because Peter had denied Jesus three times. And it was a public denial. It had occurred in a courtyard where everybody could see, just as Jesus had prophesied it would. And so Jesus is restoring Peter into ministry with a threefold assertion of his love for Jesus. And Jesus said each time that Peter responded to him, I love you, Lord, he gave him a mission for his ministry. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. 
What I want you to understand from this passage, and I think is so critically important as we move forward, as you move forward in your ministry, is that ministry, effective ministry for Jesus Christ in, in the church, in the world, wherever it occurs, has to be born on the wings of a passionate love for Jesus Christ. Do you love me? Jesus could be asking the same question of each of us here this morning. Do you love me, Greg? Well, if you do, then feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? When, in those times when the flesh is strong and I'm struggling and I don't see any fruit and I don't know exactly which direction to take, the voice calls out to me, Greg, do you love me? Because it's love that perseveres. It's love that, that impacts. It's love that transforms. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, Jesus begins to speak to the churches. And He says to the church at Ephesus, These are the words of Him who holds the seven stars in His right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds and your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them to be false. You have persevered and endured hardships for My name and have not grown weary. So they had this strong religious focus to what they were doing. They were doing all of the right things. It looked, from an outward view, very good. And yet, Jesus says, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Consider how you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. You see, when we continue to minister out of obligation, out of religious duty, out of a sense of this has always been the way I've done it, and not out of a passionate love for Jesus Christ, we're diminished. Think about the word love. L. O-V-E. Love Jesus. Think about the word lose. L-O-S-E. Lose Jesus. There's only one word, or excuse me, one letter difference between those two words. But how significant is the difference between loving Jesus and losing Him? That's what Jesus is doing for Peter here. He's re-establishing him in ministry and he's saying to Peter, Peter, the ministry that I'm calling to you, calling you to, must be a ministry founded in your love for me. And our love for him, of course, originates in the fact that he loved us and gave himself for us. So Jesus says to him, follow me. And Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, that would have been the author of this gospel, John, who was following them. And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, 
If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. You have a unique ministry. Your ministry, maybe you're like Peter. Maybe you have fallen. Maybe you have struggled. Maybe something has happened in your life that has caused you to think, God can never use me again. My case is hopeless. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but there's no way that God is ever going to use me in ministry again. I can't serve in King's Kids. I can't reach out to to lost people. I can't sing. I can't do anything because of my failure. And Jesus is saying to you, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Then tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Pay attention to your calling. John had a far different calling. John, extraordinarily, was with Jesus throughout. He followed Jesus as he was betrayed to the high priest. He followed him into the court of the high priest. John was known for some reason to the high priest. John went to the cross and was standing at the foot of the cross as Jesus was dying. And Jesus said unto John, Behold your mother, woman, behold your son, giving John charge over Mary. And then John was the first to the tomb along with Peter after Mary Magdalene had told them that Jesus was risen. John had a a different ministry than Peter. And see, that's what we need to to understand is that whether it's a ministry that it is born of a restoration from a fallen place, or it's a ministry born of strength and love. Either way, it ultimately coalesces in our love for Jesus Christ and His specific and unique calling on our lives. He's got something for you. What is He saying to you? He said to Peter, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. He said John had a different ministry. John was to take care of Mary. What is he saying to you this morning? Does your spirit testify along with mine that God is calling this church to a new place and a new field of ministry? A higher plane? Are we going to accept a lesser cloth? an old wineskin? Or will we move with Him and His Spirit so that He can recreate us and pour new wine into us? After Easter, we're going to be moving into a teaching series on the four words. Growing, giving, glorifying, and going. And it's going to be a focus on discipleship. God's call to discipleship. He's called each one of you to be a disciple, a taught one of His. And as we move into this season, I believe that God is going to do some stuff in this church, individually and corporately. I believe He's going to do some pruning in our lives. The vine dresser is going to be cutting away some things from our lives that we begin to say, Lord, why? 
Why is this happening to me? What is going on? It might even be something that was fruitful. He might be cutting away some branches that have been producing fruit. But he is pruning so that you can produce more fruit. And I think there are also opportunities for us, church, as we trust in him, as we obey him, as we love him. To have a unique impact on the world around us, the community within which we live. And that is what excites me. That ultimately is why I get up every morning. That's why I come to church and do what I do, because I believe with all of my heart what I'm telling you is true. He wants us to be restored into ministry, and he's asking us, do you love me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the greatness of your love towards us, the beauty of Jesus Christ in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would just have its way in our lives. Wherever we are, whether we're a, a teacher in the school or in the college or, or a, a retail a business or a, a parent in the home, Lord, whatever our circumstances, whatever our situation, that you would use us in that place, Lord, that you would begin to refashion us, recreate us, transform us, into new wineskins and begin to pour in that new wine, Lord, so that we can impact this community. We can proclaim the name of Jesus and so that souls that are lost in darkness can begin to see the light and can begin to look upon Jesus. Just as he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So be it, Lord. Amen.